If you appreciate listening to this podcast and are considering to donate some money to a nonprofit organization this year, I'd like you to consider donating to the Sangre de Cristo Seminary through the Spirit Campaign this year, starting November 15th through December 31st. Every donation you give up to $1,000 will be matched by generous contributors through the Wet Mountain Valley Community Foundation. If you are interested, the link is in the show notes. Any contribution that you give will be greatly appreciated. Mary had a little lamb, its fleece was white as snow. I don't even know the words of that. And then the Levites sacrificed it and atoned for the peoples. And And the dish ran away with the spoon. E-I-E-I-O. <laughs> All right. Welcome to another episode of Practically Theologians. Typically, when we record an episode, the focus uh, that we have in mind is we are trying to make theolo- theology practical or give you practical application on how to apply the different doctrines of Scripture. But today, today we have a very special esteemed guest with us. His name is Matt, and he is about to graduate seminary in December. I'm here with Josh, and today we're going to pick Matt's brain a little bit, and we're going to get all the advice and all the insight that he has accumulated in his... How old are you? 25 25 years of a century in his quarter of a century of existence on this earth. So we're going to do all that in a very short period of time. So, Matt, let's start with what brought you to Sangre de Cristo Seminary? I would consider it to be a series of closed doors. Um, I have a bachelor's, and following that, I was looking into uh, looking to enter into a master's degree program. However, I wasn't accepted, and uh, several other opportunities weren't available to me at that time. So I haven't taken the summer off and um, was just doing uh, yard work and different things for family members. I ended up breaking my finger um, with a wood splitter. And that sent me back a few months based on uh, uh, what I wanted to do and or entering into the workforce. And after that, um, talking with another individual who had come to Sangre de Cristo Seminary before, suggested that while we had discussed coming to seminary at a certain point in time. Maybe this was uh, a moment for that. I applied and I was accepted and I started uh, June of that year. Okay, so I'm going to ask you to, what seminary are we at? (laughs) Would you like the... (laughs) Pronounce it correctly. Pronounce it with, with all of your accent. We are at the Sangre de Cristo Seminary. <laughs> the Sangre de Cristo. <laughs> so give us a little give us a little information on your background. I was seeing if it would come out in your pronunciation. Well, it was probably, but yeah, it did. You, you're, you it made definitely me came very self confident. <laughs> uh, well, I am a Hispanic. I grew up in northern New Mexico. I uh, grew up in a church that I would kind of categorize as spiritual. Uh, you, the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, but yet there wasn't a uh, biblical application to our lives or, um, you know, any deep theological leanings either. It wasn't until I went to college and got caught up in a Bible study group that I uh, started to learn that the Bible had 
answers to my life and answers to uh, the meaning of life and just other different things. And once I started to learn about that, I realized that there was a, a need for that application in the lives of everybody, regardless of whether or not they were a seminary student or, you know, an atheist. Um, truth is truth. Okay, so <clears throat> as you started to learn more about uh, actual biblical teaching and started to see how that applied to your life, did that play into your decision then to pursue seminary uh, to further your education as far as how to study the scriptures and how to understand them correctly? Would you repeat that question? Yes, I can. <laughs> <laughs> so as you started to learn more about how the Bible applies to your life and how to properly understand the Bible, did that lead to you pursuing um, further education in seminary? It certainly did help out. Um, not only was uh, biblical truth being applied to my life, but it was also looking at my uh, surroundings and realizing that people don't know what the Bible has to say. They may have an idea of who God is, uh, have an idea of what the Bible is, or even have an idea of what Christianity is. But when you read the Bible and you actually start uh, coming face to face with the God of that Bible, you start realizing that what you uh, have believed is so much uh, smaller than what the Bible presents. And I think that that um, realization, that actual applying of who God is and uh, what God promises is key for us in really any time, um, regardless of whether or not it's uh, someone here in the United States or in Africa or Japan, uh, wherever they are, God's who God is and God's promises uh, need to be understood. Mm -hmm. Agreed. Uh, so, <clears throat> You spent almost three years here at San Gregorio Cristo Seminary, right? It'll be two and a half when you graduate. Is that right? Yes, that's correct. Okay. So uh, what are what classes, or if there's a particular class that sticks out, what did you enjoy the most um, throughout those last two and a half years of, of seminary education? It's hard to categorize um, what was my most favorite and uh, what is been most beneficial. I think what has been most beneficial has been both uh, the Hebrew and Greek curriculum that we have here at the seminary. Um, that does definitely allow us to, or has allowed me to dig deeper into the text and realize certain things that we miss in our English translations. Uh, for example, uh, take the first chapter of Jonah, that transition from a general God that the sailors, uh, you know, proclaim to uh, Hashem, the Tetragram, the sovereign God that um, is revealed to the Israelites in Exodus, they start realizing more and more that this is God, but yet you don't necessarily see that in the English translation. Um, other courses that have been pretty helpful in my uh, uh, career here at the seminary has been teaching, preaching, and worship. Um, that where you get to preach a text or teach a text, and then you get critiqued on how you can better um, communicate the truths of God to a congregation or to a class. Um, several other ones have been biblical counseling, in which we read um, in the Redeemer's Hands. Hmm. Yeah, it was a good book. In that, I think it was just something that stuck with me so far as we need to have passport into each other's lives. And as Christians, we're called to do that 
um, in a way that is very transforming in a very <clears throat> countercultural uh, way in that we both say positive things uh, to one another and we also hop correct and realign one another in a way that doesn't cause each other to stumble or become overtly frustrated or angry at one another. And it's having this passport um, in each other's lives that makes that possible. Yeah. So I want to just talk about a few things that you brought up there that we can work our way back um, <clears throat> from the most recent thing that you just commented on. You talked about the idea of passport. And so would you want to share just a little bit about what it means to have passport in somebody's life? Because we're all called to encourage one another, ex- exhort one another, um, lift each other up, encourage each other. So <clears throat> what does it, what does it mean to have passport into somebody's life that makes that, um, more effective? Having passport in someone's life, in someone's life, um, or more accurately, more accurately to put it is having a relationship. It's not just coming to someone with, uh, some critique of their lifestyle or some critique of who they are and then leaving, uh, after you've made known to them, uh, their mistakes or their sins, so on and so forth. But it's actually coming alongside them and saying, this is where I see you falling short in your faith or in your belief or your relationship with God. And this is how I would like to help you. And it's not always just, uh, you know, rebuking or reproving or just pointing out the negative things in someone's life. It's there to celebrate both the peaks in someone's life, you know, weddings, uh, births, um, you know, reading through the Bible in an entire year, uh, having a great season of faith. Um, and it's also coming alongside them in depression, in, uh, you know, loss of a loved one. It's all these different things. And that's what it means to have a passport. You're living with each other in such a way that is described in the Bible that, um, you know, for lack of a better word, we have the hymn, they will know we are Christians by our love, by our love. And when people, outside of the church start seeing that we are loving each other in this way that we have this passport with one another that we can come alongside each other they start thinking do i have that in my life am i afraid to be transparent not only with my friends but with my family in fear of what they may do or what they may think that's amazing yes and it's interesting that you brought up that hymn they will know we are christians by our love because actually josh is going to sing uh, the first verse (laughs) (laughs) Is <laughs> that not right? Uh, that's incorrect. Oh. Mar- Margarita, I believe, was going to do that. <laughs> well, we must have some miscommunication there. I thought yeah. for sure that you had said that at the beginning that you were going to. No, nope. I think sing. we need to improve our communication <laughs> skills. Uh, so you also had brought up that we have our, our preaching and teaching course where we where we'll preach a text or teach a text in the classroom, and then we'll have the the message critiqued. Uh, and we'll learn how we can uh, how we can grow in uh, better or more clearly communicating the passage. Uh, what so so for the pastor out there that maybe hasn't had the opportunity or, or a small group leader, someone that's that's teaching or preaching the word of God. Uh, what advice would you have for them if they don't have the opportunity right now to um, be at a seminary like this where they're where what they're teaching or how they're teaching is being critiqued? Um, what are some of the benefits that come from being critiqued like that? What have, what have you gleaned from that process? Well, I've learned to be humble. <laughs> There's several benefits uh, to coming to seminary and getting your messages critiqued. But 
perhaps the three biggest um, goals in your preaching is to be understandable, to be clear, and to be passionate. If you're preaching a text and you're not, uh, and your congregation isn't understanding what you're saying, you're you haven't communicated communicated the text to them well enough. In which uh, you know, an eight year old to a seventy two year old um, has understood your message. Secondly, if you're not clear, you may understand what you're trying to preach. You may understand the different rabbit holes and rabbit trials of the text, yet your congregation hasn't been able to understand what is the main truth of the passage. So they come out feeling, you know, somewhat in a fugue, somewhat in a fog of, well, I think this passage says we should pray, um, but yet they could apply a general spiritual understanding to almost any passage and not really have gleaned uh, the truth of the passage. And secondly, if you're not passionate, or I guess thirdly, if you're not passionate about your text, if you're not passionate about what you're preaching, your congregation likewise isn't going to be passionate either. And again, that's um, difficult for uh, a difficult statement to make across the board. Um, an introvert myself, I'm not very passionate um, in some areas, but yet I try and I strive to make uh, my preaching joyful and joyful in that regard of I want people to be excited. I want people to know that this is about God. It's not just knowing facts, knowing truths. While that is one of our primary goals, it is actually knowing who God is. It is knowing what his promises are. And it's knowing that we can trust him even when we're not feeling emotional on that day. Yeah, I would, I would say um, just to encourage you, and having listened to, to several of your sermons, you may not be as expressive as uh, someone that's maybe more of an extrovert, but passion is definitely not something that you're lacking. Um, you're always passionate about the text that you're presenting, so uh, be encouraged by that. I had a question. What's your... What well, I thought, was, never mind, I thought you were going to sing the song. You're no, still no, not going to sing no the song? song? No song yet. <clears throat> no voice. So we're, we're working on it. All right. When we get to the end... Yeah, yeah. But, uh, speaking of critiques, what has been the most helpful feedback you've received in the class? I think the most helpful critique, and um, even this year it, it was uh, made known to me, so don't ever think that once you hit your last year of seminary that everything falls into place. I had to go back to the basics of uh, my last year. But pulling together a sermon in a way that is clear, understandable. Do people understand what my main points were? Do people understand what, how the sub points helped fully develop the main thought of that point? And how do those main points fully develop the proposition, the truth statement of a passage? So having uh, to go back to those basics and uh, reading a, a few books on that has made me more appreciative on pastors and preachers who can communicate a sermon clearly and understandably. Yeah, very good. And then one other thing that you had brought up uh, was your appreciation for having the opportunity to learn the original languages, to go through and learn Greek and Hebrew. Uh, and something that we talk about a lot when we talk about that is uh, what about the person that wants to study the Bible, but doesn't have the opportunity to learn the original languages 
for one reason or another. What what some advice that you would maybe have for them, uh, for the person that wants to really get into God's word but doesn't have the opportunity to learn the original languages? You can do it. In the sense that while you may not be able to understand uh, the Hebrew language or the Greek language, if you're a native speaker of really any language, try to get a couple of different translations of your of the language you're most strong in and compare how they articulate a verse or how they articulate a passage. Because, um, and as I'm sure you guys have already said, there's different translations that go thought for thought of what the author is writing or word for word. So while um, each of these different translations help provide one aspect of a translation and to their best try to commu- communicate the truth of a passage as a whole, there are things that they miss in trying to be most faithful to those uh, translation types. So if you're wanting to understand more and more of what the scripture says, try to pick up a few different uh, translations and, you know, try to pick up a few maybe um, with old English and just have a dictionary in front of you and, you know, track a little bit of what this English word meant back in the day and what the uh, newer English translation is communicating in that regard. Cool. Yeah. And that's, that is, uh, one thing that we always want to make sure that we're encouraging everybody in is, um, you don't have to have the, uh, training in the original languages to come to a very deep understanding of God's word. They're definitely beneficial. Um, and they, and we always talk about how Dwight says that it helps things go from black and white to color when you're understanding scripture. But there are a lot of tools available, um, that can help a, uh, a diligent and committed studier of God's word to really uh, start to understand and get close to um, some of that color that comes out in the original languages. Um, so we talked about the classes that you enjoy or one of the classes that you have, what you've enjoyed at seminary. What's been the hardest class or the hardest experience that you've had uh, while being a seminary? You know, off the top of my head, I can't think of. Uh, it's all been easy. So easy. Now I feel bad. <laughs> now I feel dumb. <laughs> well, I think you're interpreting out of silence there. <laughs> There's been several difficult things um, that have occurred. I can't necessarily boil it down to an experience, but maybe more of a principle. There are a few things that I, I see in myself and I see, uh, you know, in you guys and other classmates uh, in which we don't do well. And, I can almost accurately say we don't do well. First off, are you going to point out what Josh and I don't do well? Yeah, is that no, what, this what is Andrew, going? Andrew, I believe is who he's talking about. Let's go. We're going to go on to the next question. <laughs> oh, go ahead. <laughs> Cautiously proceed. <laughs> say whatever you want. You'll be out of here in what, a month? <laughs> That's right. You guys can't find me. We don't have the power to we'll, deny we'll probably, your graduation. We'll probably release this episode close to your graduation, though. So. <laughs> I believe that many people here, and I think um, everybody can relate to this, we don't know how to learn well in regards that once we hit something that is difficult, once we hit something that we don't readily understand, we become discouraged, we become depressed, and we start looking at each other who may seem to get a lot better um, and realize that the Bible never tells us that we're going to understand the truths within the period of 
you know, two and a half years, three years, depending on how long your seminary is. Um, and I said that a bit tongue in cheek, uh, because if you look at, uh, you know, different sections of the Bible, these individuals memorize much of the Old Testament. And I think I can get off maybe two and a half verses. I think the first one is Jesus wept. Um, <laughs> hey, you guys say a verse. No, nope, that's good. That was the only one I knew. <laughs> but in that, realizing and, that. And this is why Jesus wept. Uh, and this is <laughs> yep, there's our two verses. <laughs> no, just kidding. But in that, you know, for most of us, we have an entire lifetime with the Bible. We have an entire lifetime with different resources at our fingertips, um, both um, in book form and really in technological form. There are different apps that are able to help you, different um, other programs. But in that, just being diligent and realizing that while I don't get it now, in five years, what I'm struggling with may be very easy and very clear. And likewise, in 10, 15 years, as long as you're diligent, no matter how much you struggled on the onset, as long as you're still diligently at least keeping up or reviewing some of the things that you've learned, um, you're able to to have a better grasp of it than someone who got it very quickly and then just left it alone after they graduated from seminary. Um, I think the second thing that I found difficult is that we don't, relax enough. We don't have fun enough. Um, one of the things that I've seen, and this is just me being a, a bit more of an introvert and probably a bit more dour than some of the rest, is that we should be excited that we're here at seminary. You know, I think oftentimes we get caught up with assignments that are due and different things without really trying to, to engage one another uh, on a deeper level. You know, consider the fact that these individuals that are with you, um, you know, here at seminary. But for those of you who are at home in your home church, you know, consider the 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 individuals who you surround yourself with. These are individuals who you're going to be glorifying God with for the rest of eternity. Um, you know, you want to engage each other more. You want to be able to, as I said, have that passport with one another to celebrate the peaks and celebrate uh, and you know, console in the valleys. And that's just one of the things that if you're not practicing it now, they're not going to come easily one day. You're not going to be able to say, all right, I want to practice, uh, you know, loving my neighbor now and expect it to come like that or, you know, be able to rest and take time for things that, you know, really matter. Um, but rather, if you try to make a practice of it now, uh, you know, you'll find again, if you're diligent a year from now, it'll be easier. Five years from now, it'll be a breeze, you know. For lack of a better word, we need to start taking off our eyes on, uh, you know, the here and now in terms of time and look at the longevity of things that we practice and things that we do. Yeah, that's really good advice. And that's I mean, that's that is really applicable uh, for anyone because of, of how quickly the busyness of life can start to get us to look um, more and more to ourselves and what I need to get done and and trying to keep all of my things lined up on my schedule. And we forget that we're, as Christians, we're a part of the body of Christ. Uh, and one of the primary ways that God works in the lives of his children is through the lives of fellow believers, fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. So you talked about relaxing, having fun. 
So give us a little bit of insight into what Matt does to relax and have fun. Um, I enjoy reading. I'm uh, pretty nerdy, so I enjoy Marvel, DC, uh, anime, a lot of different uh, well, now, things. That now I see why you didn't want to answer, but keep going. <laughs> All right. Wow. You'll get your punishment. So, so Andrew, as a podcast host, you must remember, do not idiot. insult the guest. That's, that's a cardinal rule. That's not an insult. Listen, that's sir. partial. I'll just switch to Spanish, and then you'll never know what I'm saying. You can bring up Google Translate or something. But anyways, no, I, I'm just giving you a hard time because I like to give you and Jeremy a hard time. But go ahead. It's okay. I'm not sure we'll have this conversation no. here. Like, it's a whole new world. <laughs> oh, you're going to sing the song. Yes. <laughs> hmm. Maybe. So you were saying Marvel Comics and um, what was the other one? I really just like a lot of sci-fi and fantasy if I, I guess had to boil it down and not insult anyone's uh, a fancy. No, you're fine. <laughs> sensibilities. <laughs> yes, there's sensibilities. <laughs> um, but there's just something about fantasy that um, definitely helps you better understand uh, the spiritual forces that are at work. Uh, take, for example, we were listening to The Screw Tape Letters, This Hideous Strength, um, and several other works by C.S. Lewis. And it helps you maybe not reorient or realign yourself, but it helps you put in perspective sins, temptations, and what does it look like for these opposing spiritual forces to try to trip you, to try to cause you to stumble in that regard. And that's how you can always try to um, use what you're passionate about and, uh, you know, turn it into an illustration or a way to um, interpret a biblical, or not interpret, but, you know, apply <laughs> biblical. <laughs> wow, oh, man. Oh, boy. This may keep you from getting getting your diploma. I'm not sure. We won't release thing. this after graduation. <laughs> well. But, well it, but it can help you illustrate a biblical truth. That's what you're, that's what you're trying to say, right? Yeah. <laughs> so one thing I do like though about what you're saying and what you, I mean, you, I, I've heard you say this quite a bit, uh, or I've picked this up when you're sharing some of the things that you like to, um, some of the different uh, genres that you like to uh, either read or, or watch or listen to, um, is that you're always bringing, it's always working in your mind. Uh, how does this help me better uh, either apply God's word or how does this help me better explain God's word? Uh, so, I really like that about about you and and what you've shared. As far as even in your even in your rest time, even in your uh, leisure time, there's still that the things the the wheels are still turning in your mind. As far as how does all of this actually relate to ultimate truth that God has revealed through His Word? So I give you a hard time about uh, some of the things that you like to listen to and some of the things you like to read, but I do really appreciate that about you uh, that you don't you don't categorize them. And that one, like this is solely leisure. And then when I read God's word, that's solely ministry. But you see how everything kind of um, is interwoven and how it all connects. And uh, and so I really appreciate. Yeah. And let's take, for example, uh, you know, three general oppositions that you see in most literature or movies or something like that. First one you have in like psychological thrillers, you have a person against themselves, you know, whether or not they're losing sanity or whatever the case is you see that this is a result of the fall. 
once Adam and Eve fell, you know, they were in perfect harmony with themselves, but now they're, you know, prone to self-doubt, self-hate, you know, a whole slew of other things that we deal with in our culture today. Um, another one would be, uh, you know, violence or an opposition against one another. You see those uh, very greatly and you see that all throughout scripture. You know, you see that as a result of the fall. Uh, likewise against, uh, uh, nature, you know, in Twister and, uh, you know, the day after tomorrow and, and many other natural disaster movies, you see that where there was peace, where there was, um, perfect dominion of man over nature. Now you see that thorns and thistles is what, uh, you know, man is going to grow. And you see, uh, you know, ultimately, uh, man's opposition toward God. Um, so, you know, even in different literatures and different movies, if you start seeing, you know, what is man opposed to, what is the hero opposed to in these different, uh, you know, movies, then you can start seeing, oh, well, why, why is that true? Why do we struggle against ourselves? Why do we struggle against one another, against the world, against, you know, God? Oh, well, that's because of Genesis 3. It's because of the curse that we struggle against these things. So if you're able to apply that, and, and again, it's not always, you don't always need to overanalyze everything that you watch or anything that you read, but you can always take it back to Genesis 3 in regards to uh, what the problem is, what the opposition is. Yeah, it is interesting when you're, um, when you're regularly studying God's word, uh, how you start to see the application and you start to see the effects of the reality of who God is and, and how it manifests itself in the uh, just everyday life, right? And even even the secular realm where people don't, they'll, they'll deny that a God even exists, but the way that they reason and the way that they think through things, um, it, it starts to come out that God's fingerprint uh, is even on the people that are rejecting him. So, um, so we're going to get ready to bring the podcast to a close, but uh, one other thing that we definitely wanted to cover is, so you're graduating in December. Uh, what are your plans moving forward? Assuming you will m- probably move out of the uh, little one-room cabin thing, loft. So this is assuming that I'm going to leave. Assuming that you're actually going to leave us. And not, and not bar my door or anything like that. Exactly. Not, not barricade yourself in your room. <laughs> I'm going to live out in the woods and throw rocks at you guys every time you guys start misbehaving. So when, when you get bored of that, which should probably be within a few hours, what are your plans? Listen, I'll stop when people stop being sinful. Good wow. luck. <laughs> really, um, some of the things that I've told different individuals that I've discussed uh, with, I kind of break down my life after seminary and, Plan A, B, and C in regards to uh, how I how I view it. Plan A, or I guess point A, is that I know I want to serve God in whatever capacity, uh, whether or not it's leading a small Bible uh, study, uh, pastoring a church, uh, you know, just interacting with coworkers on a weekday, whatever that looks like for me. I know that I want to serve God. B is what you know that looks like in terms of vocation and i do plan on being bivocational after i get out here uh so the b you know where god will place me whether or not it's uh you know 
working at a bank again, whether or not it's working at a school, whether or not it's working at a Arby's, fast food, whatever that looks like. I'm not entirely sure at this point in time. And then, you know, with point C, where that looks like, um, certainly through uh, the beginning of the summer, up until the, you know, beginning of the fall semester, I was certainly looking at doing some overseas mission work. Not that I'm excluding that at this point in time. However, I still don't quite know where God will place me. And I, um, and I'm starting to see that it will probably be in my hometown. However, I don't want to exclude any other options. Um, just because my point is that I want to serve God Mm -hmm. and God will take care of point B and point C. Tell us a little bit about your hometown and in your, uh, how many generations are you in New Mexico there? And then also <clears throat> Margarita and I got to enjoy a uh, company with your grandparents and parents and uh, the food, of course. So uh, I usually thought you were going to say that first. Yeah, we yeah. enjoyed the food. Yeah, yeah. And who else was there? And the fellowship yeah, was all exactly. right. <laughs> the food was amazing. The company was there. No, the company was great too. Right. So my family's been in New Mexico probably for about five or six generations that I can confidently trace back probably more. Um, so the town that I live in is uh, Pinasco, New Mexico, a very rural Hispanic town that uh, started off with land grants and has just kind of continued to modernize uh, through the years. And in that there's, uh, you know, it's a small rural town. You enjoy what's there and you, go to different towns to watch a movie <laughs> yep. <laughs> nice. and to do shopping and various other things. But it is a great place to grow up in. And um, I think individuals there, uh, and I don't, let me figure out how to phrase this. I think individuals there need solid biblical exposition and application for their life. And that's what I hope to um, assist them in when I return. All right. Well, we will be praying for God to open and close doors for your future as he has up to this point. And thank you, Matt, very much for allowing us to interview you and sharing all that you did. Um, Some really good information in there. So, uh, yeah, I really appreciate that. Thank you for listening to another episode of Practically Theologians. And if you have any questions or if you want any clarification on some of the things that Matt has shared, you can find us on Facebook, our Facebook page, Practically Theologians, or on Twitter, at P Theologians. Or you could email us, and Josh knows the email. That would be podcast at practicallytheologians.org. All right, and thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.